Welcome to the GSD Factor Podcast Season 2 with your host, Misha Blamar-Farish. Hello and welcome to the GSD Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Misha Blamar-Farish. And today, I'm excited to have Jace Gerard on the call with us today. Hi, Jace. Hi, Misha. Thanks so much for joining us. Jace, can you tell us a little bit about your story? Sure. First, thank you for having me. It's, it's really fun. Yeah, so I am born and raised in Franklin, Tennessee. Lifelong resident, obviously, multiple generations. So we have a, we are in the fabric of Franklin, or it's in our fabric. Um, I am the father of three, two bio kids from a first marriage and one adopted son from my second marriage. I've been married to my current wife for 10 years this year, and my children are 23, my daughter, 19, my oldest son, 18, my younger son, all of them having birthdays within the next three months. I work in healthcare. I've been in healthcare for about 30 years on the software side, technology side. And um, then my wife and I have been foster parents for about five years, fostered probably 20 some odd kids. Then we have a, a nonprofit where we we serve those kids in, in other ways. Awesome. And Jace, thank you so much for joining today. This is our special Father's Day edition. So um, first of all, happy Father's Day upcoming to you and happy Father's Day to all of our GSD Factor dads out there. So, Jace, as we start to think about, you know, the GST factor attributes of being confident, being inquisitive, being imaginative, being present, being resilient and being influential, I'd love to ask you, what do you think are one or two of the most important attributes that you have leaned into in your years as a father? I think I have tended to lean more into being present and probably being influential. The others are all obviously incredibly valuable and important. Uh, I find when when really looking at those, honestly, uh, being present and influential in my kids' lives is probably where I tend to, to, to live. Awesome. So let's dive into each one of those. So let's talk about being present and let's talk about it from, I'd love to talk about it from both lenses, right? Both lenses as well, actually three lenses, as a biological dad, as an adoptive dad, but also as a foster dad, would love to hear, how are you present with your kids? Well, it involves actually kind of some of the other things, you know, it involves being inquisitive, but not necessarily in the attribute way that's listed in that definition. It's inquisitive in the children's lives. And it's not just saying, how was your day? I learned that long ago in like parent 101. Don't ever ask a kid, how's your day? Because you're going to get fine. You ask, you say, tell me about your day. And when you ask a kid to, to tell you about their day and you stop what you're doing, you put down your phone and you sit there and that's being present because they have to answer in something other than it was fine. So then when they when you say, tell me about your day and then they start telling you about that day and you actually are roll back to number two, inquisitive about that story they're telling you. That's one of the best ways that I know to be present in any of their lives, bio, adopted, foster. Being present means being at their games, at their gymnastics meets. Being present means when your son or daughter has a car accident, you're there at a phone call or immediately. 
um, my bio son hit a mailbox when he like the day after his he got his license. So it's going with him to that owner and saying, hey, let him say, hey, I hit your mailbox, but standing there with him to so that he knows that you as a dad are there no matter what, good and bad. You're going to be standing there with them because you're watching him. You're you're present. You know, similarly, when my daughter now who lives 1500 miles away, I, I'm present the best way I can. When her number shows up on my phone, I don't care who I'm talking to. I'm hanging up and I'm present for her. And I listen to her stories and her day and I ask about it. And I, you know, it's all, it's, 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 it's basically um, being there, listening, asking the open-ended questions and participating in the conversation and their lives actively. And oh, by the way, I traveled for most of my career and never missed a game and never missed a gymnastics meet because it's a choice to be present. I love that. And I think that so many parents, right, who are working parents are always what I like to uh, call trying to figure out what is that work life family integration, right? We've always heard this kind of work life balance, but I actually, I prefer to use it as work life family integration because our families are such an important part of who we are, not just as individuals, but also as professionals. And I love some of the examples that you've given. Has your being present with them changed, right? I'm a mom to two tiny humans, right? You, uh, your kids are obviously um, older, you know, talk to me a little bit about as the kids were growing up, how did that, how did that being present change with them? It just evolves. It changes from holding their hands when they're learning to walk to holding their hands as they do walk through the parking lot. And then it, it evolves to, again, being present at all the school functions and things like that. But, but look, when my kids, when my kids have, I, I will say this very, very proudly, when my kids have a problem, a question, whether it was in school with a friend, a hurt feeling, bio kids with divorce, they will come to me and ask me and we will have those conversations. And I'm, re- I'm actually really proud that they will do that. And I'm proud that I have that relationship with them. And that is being present for them as that relationship evolves, right? Today, I have a, my youngest son is off in Orlando. For the first time in three years, he's away from our home and he's selling door to door. And that relationship has now evolved where we're having kind of professional mentory type of discussions. But when he calls, I'm there and I listen and I talk him off the ledge sometimes. And then I lift him up sometimes. And sometimes I'll just high five. him. And my other kids are have very similar stories, whether it's my daughter calling and FaceTiming to have me help her hang a shelf in her closet or my uh, 19-year-old son talking to me about his newfound love for the stock market and all these different shapes that he's learning to watch. So it, 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 it evolves in subject matter. But Misha, I don't think the act of being present changes. It just evolves as they grow and the subject matter changes because they're older. But I don't change how I am present. I love that. And I think that the evolving 
as individuals and as we grow, we're constantly evolving as individuals. We're constantly evolving as professionals. And I think as parents, it's really important to understand that the conversation being present doesn't change, but that evolving of us with our relationships with our kids does change. And I think that's such an amazing nugget. So thank you for that, Jace. You talked about how it was a choice to be being a traveler, you know, being a professional that does travel and you never missed a game, never missed an activity. You know, for those of our listeners today that are maybe, you know, maybe they do miss those events. Maybe they do miss those games. What would you say to them? Um, what would your advice be to them as far as why it's so important to be there and then how they can maybe start to make that pivot in their life to be more present and be, be more, um, be there more in person. The decision is a personal one, but I looked at it as what I I am (laughs) always thinking of traditionally have, have. I think years ahead, what are my kids going to, what is my legacy going to be with my kids? And how are they going to think of me? And I actually was kayaking with my neighbors. My wife and I went kayaking with our neighbors this weekend. And I said um, to them that I have always hoped that my daughter, we're talking about girls, would love me as much as my wife and her sister loved her dad, their daddy who has passed. Because it was immense. And I think I'm there. But I think about how they're going to look back and and what they will remember about me. So I made the decision, one, that I would never leave Franklin. That's my home. I'm just not going to go anywhere. Um, Two, that there is no work that has to be done on a Friday away from my house that can't be done on a Thursday or a Monday. To be home and make games, you basically, well, mine were always weekend. You just got to come home on Friday. You know, uh, I understand baseball might be a little bit harder. We didn't do baseball. So I, I get that. But I think you can work around it. Uh, even when uh, I went through a divorce and had the kids every other week, I only traveled every other week on the odd weeks. And I made that known to whatever company I was with at the time. That's fantastic. And I think that's really good advice, but you're also just an example to other parents, right? Who are maybe going through, maybe going through that divorce or going through that career change or career valuation. Um, And I think that leads us beautifully into the next attribute of being influential. So when you think about fatherhood and being influential, you know, what are some lessons or nuggets of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? Two words. Parenting comes down to two words and two words only, prepare and protect. That's it, at least for fathers. You prepare your kids for the world and you protect your kids from the world. That's it. Everything you do falls into those two categories. And if you are thinking about those two categories, you cannot help but be influential by by sometimes protecting them from themselves to prepare them from the world. Um, I also am a believer in, I've always told my kids that I will let them know anytime I see a train coming down the tracks. When we went through my my divorce, I 
my uh, kids were 13 and nine. And the day their mother moved out, we went, we went zip lining that day. And I told them, we're going to go do this this day because this day is going to be really awful. It's going to be hard. So we're going to go do something fun and keep our minds off of it. And then we're going to kind of reset when we come back. And every now and again, something will come up and we'll talk about what happened. And then we'll talk about what's likely to happen because what we as parents have is the summation of all of our experiences. And you don't just have experiences to throw them away. You have experiences so that you can teach and you can lead your children and you can ideally, look, I have stepped in so many potholes and I kind of know where they are, at least for my family. So I, it is incumbent upon me as a dad to say, hey, there's a pothole over here. Don't step there. If you're going to, I'm going to help you out of the pothole because that's part of the being present. But I would really strongly encourage you to, to turn right here instead of left. Because if you go left, this is, what this is what happens. I know because I did it. And that also shows wisdom, which is gained by failure. And I know that I failed a lot and, and do still all the time, but I don't have a problem telling my kids that I screwed up here. So this is why I know this would really hurt or be bad. So I think that is one big way I really try to influence them is to, um, you know, kind of tell them what might be happening. My uh, foster son, sorry, my uh, 18 year old, when he went down to Orlando, he he had a friend that rode with him. He dropped him off at the airport. And he says, hey, dad, I just dropped him off at the airport. And he's crying. He says, no one's in the car with me now. And I just realized I can't come home. <clears throat> and he said, I'm really scared right now. And I don't know what to do. So we talked through that. And um, I said, well, okay, here's what's going to happen. This is being influential. It's okay that you feel this way. We'll address that in a second. But I'm telling you, in 30 minutes, you're going to be at your new apartment. You're going to meet all these new people. You're not going to think about this conversation or this feeling anymore. On Monday, you're going to start your new job. You're going to be terrified to knock on the door because it's really hard and really scary. You'll be scared about that, not scared about this. And then in two weeks, you're going to call me back. You're going to call me back because you're going to be incredibly homesick and you're going to want to come home. And I'm going to tell you no, but you're going to do it. Now, let's go back to this feeling you're having, which is totally cool, because five years ago, we just adopted him in November. Five years ago, could you have imagined that you would even have a mom and dad that you would want to call and tell them you're homesick and have this feeling? He said, no, not at all. I said, no, sir, not at all. I said, great. Well, then let's celebrate how cool it is you get to have this. He said, yeah, that's really great. Fast forward two weeks later, he calls me. He says, I'm done. This is awful. I want to come home. Well, I said, okay, let's stop. Look at your watch. It's been two weeks. What does that tell you? He said that you were right again. I said, well, yes, but no. What it should tell you is that I'm not a genius, but you're right where you're supposed to be. You're right on time. You're no better, no worse than anybody else. You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Two weeks into the, one of the hardest things you can do as a kid, as a teenager, young adult. So this is fine. And then, you know, conversation continued. That's being influential the way I, I choose to do it. Amazing. And I think what's so important, and I do this with my tiny humans, and you obviously are doing it with your young adults, is there are times you know we can learn from everything. 
but there are times that we're learning what to do, but then there's also times that we're learning what not to do. And I think as parents to be able to turn around and say, Hey, you should learn what I'm like, learn from me right now. And there are times when I've turned around to my kids and said, you know what you, you just witnessed is something that mommy is not proud of. And it's something that you can learn what not to do in this situation. And I think when you, through your story and what you are doing with your, with your son is saying to them, if you're validating their feelings in that moment, you're validating where they're in that moment. And then being influential to say, this is what's going to happen. And this is, this is where, you know, this is what will happen. And this is where we'll go from here, but I've got you, I've got your back and I'm here with you every step of the way. Even if you do go right when I said to go left. Yeah, no, that's right. That's right. And it is, it is, there is a, um, being strong enough to show your own frailty at times to your kids is being influential. That is leading them. I don't want to be the dad that's 10 feet tall and bulletproof. I want to be the dad that my daughter remembers walk dancing on my feet and the yearbook photos that we're both in and that my sons remember me guiding them and coming to them when they fell and then and then being there to cheer for them when they turn the other direction the next time because they remembered Hey, Dad, was right. I fell. Amazing. So, Jace, um, here in the final minutes, share with our listeners really quick about um, the wonderful nonprofit organization that you and your wife have co-founded that's supporting teens in foster care. Called Jonathan's Path. Um, it does just that. It is geared towards um, helping teenagers in foster care age 12, 13, up to age 23 to 25. We have three phases. Um, one is immediate placement. When these kids enter into the foster care system, we need, they need a place to be that night and for several nights until DCS can find them a family to be with. If they, if DCS is unable to find a family for them to be with, then, then we become that family in our second phase. And that family is a, is an integral part of our whole mission, the familial environment is very, very, very important. And that carries on to the third phase, which is full-on wraparound services for, for those who've aged out ages 18 to, to 23, 25. But when they come into our, first of all, there's so many teenagers who do not have a place to go. Uh, our state is just the worst in the country for foster care placement. We just simply don't have enough homes. And um, so we're trying to create a better model that uh, relieves a burden on the DCS social worker by finding a place for these young adults to, to live, not just sleep, but have a home and a consistent familial unit that are Jonathan's Path employees that are there because they've chosen this career path and they want to serve these kids and do all these things. They want to be confident with them. They want to be inquisitive and imaginative and present and resilient and influential. That's what we want to do for all of these kids who enter our program up until they begin adult life and they're what we might call off the payroll. <laughs> you know, if they were our own kids, which takes a long time, by the way. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for what you're doing to support the teenagers here in the Tennessee area. We, you know, I personally serve on the board with you and Carrie, and it's an honor to really be able to hold up the torch and share the story. And um, we will, you know, be sure to reach out to us for any additional information. And Jace, just finally here in our final few minutes, you know, what is the best place, where's the best place for our listeners to reach out to you? You know, it could be that they are wanting to be inquisitive about learning about more about foster care, or, you know, maybe there's a dad out there that is trying to, you know, bring about more of that work-life family integration and just needs um, a mentor to talk to in yourself. So what is the best way that um, our listeners can reach out and connect with you? Great question. And thank you for that. Um, well, they can visit our website at jonathanspath.org. And if they want to meet, reach me directly, uh, they can email me at jace at jonathanspath.org, J-A-S-E. And I would be uh, happy to answer any questions or spend time and um, talk through whatever they uh what do they have to ask? Awesome. In this final question, what okay. is the one thing that you wish somebody had told you could be a words of wisdom, um, you know, or a thought? What was the one, what is the one thing that you wish somebody had told you about fatherhood? I will say, um, I don't know if it's the thing that I wish they had told me, but here's the most important thing. Your marriage comes first. Your spouse is first, not your kids. If your kids see that you put your spouse first and your marriage first, that is being influential and they will follow that lead. It's learned by example. And if they see you loving and supporting your wife and <clears throat> going on date night, even though they want you to sit home and watch a movie, there are times when a lot of times when the wife should trump the kids and your kids should know that and you should say that to them. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jace. It was such a pleasure having you here on the GSC Factor podcast. And thank you so much for your time. And listeners, don't forget to get shit done. Thanks for listening to the GSD Factor podcast. If you liked this episode, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform where you can also find previous episodes. Let's also connect on LinkedIn and Instagram. If you're looking for more information on the GSD Factor, visit us at gsdfactor.com. And always remember to GSD, get shit done.